Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise. Join Will Tondo and Jake Zimmer every week as we dive into interviews with leaders in the craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment world. This podcast wouldn't be here without Spotify. Get to know Spotify for podcasters, the free all-in-one podcast platform for every creator. This tool allows you to publish shows to all major platforms and helps turn your passions into careers. To find out more, head over to podcasters.spotify.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB for all wager incentives. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org if you have any issues. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Now, here's our episode of Beers, Business, and Balls. Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped and by DraftKings. Our promo is still going on, people. Use the code BBB in any state where DraftKings is accepted, and you can get some bonus bets. We'll have more on that for you later. Uh, This is episode 127. Back in the basketball ring we go. Uh, We would like to first pour one out for our three house hockey teams, if you will. Islanders, gone. Rangers, gone. Bruins, gone all three of our hockey allegiances at house enterprise are playing golf and that was something i don't think any of us were prepared for if i'm going to be honest and i will take this i will i will wear this one out of the three teams eliminated i would have said the islanders would have been the surest shit favorite the fact that they went to game seven against that Carolina, I, I do, I do. I And listen, the Islanders are a good team and they get a lot of hate and there were some injuries. Barzell came back. Horvert wasn't playing how he should have. A lot of guys left blank slates in that, in that performance. To bring it to game seven, tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. The Islanders didn't go to game seven, I thought. What? I don't think the Islanders went to game seven. Was it game six? I thought it was six, yeah. It might have been six. Either way, it was, yeah, it was game six. So either way, they weren't supposed to be here. They were on the outside looking in for the most of the second half of the season. That is what it is. Um, Bruins and Rangers? Yeah, those, those should have been the next round, at least. That should have been, I mean... Those were that was my Eastern Conference future. Oh, what a Bruins Rangers uh, Eastern Conference final! Yeah, I mean, I will say I did also have a side bet of Panthers and seven, which hit. <laughs> Thanks. Um, no offense. I mean, I I oh, will say though, <laughs> my guarantees in the playoffs have been hot. Yeah, you don't make too many guarantees. Like I think you're two and zero right now. 2-0, and, oh, and if you're including this side pot. 
I don't but know. I, I don't mean, think I can again, be a good conscious. It, but you're two and zero because shows... you had the Giants against the Vikings, and you had uh, the Knicks against Cleveland. So, are you going to stand on your soapbox and make a third here? Um. Hmm. You don't have to. It's just me asking. Maybe next week. <clears throat> next week. I'm not confident yet. I'm not confident yet. I do kind of like the Lakers of the Warriors, but I'm not going to make that a guarantee yet. But going back to the Stanley Cup, it just proves the volatility of the sport and how it's a long season. It's a long playoffs. Anything can happen. And I think the true testament of that is look at the Kraken. Seattle is obviously, you know, they're in a good position. People said they wouldn't even win a game in the playoffs. They're now into the second round, already winning game one. Um, And they're, you know, a fairly new expansion team. And it's the same goes with Vegas all these years where they are so fresh in the league and they made a a cup appearance and they've been into the playoffs consistently. So hockey is just one of those great sports where it truly is anybody's game, any single night on the ice. And who knows? I mean, the East is weird. It's a weird matchup. Florida, Carolina, um, Toronto, and New Jersey. Weird. That's when you say it like that. I don't like it. It's like, oh, yeah. And I, I, to be honest, like if I had a knee jerk reaction, I'm going to say the Panthers are going yeah. to the cop. That's but my just. I'm telling you, I might put a little bit on Florida right now. But just to say that it's going to be New Jersey, or it's going to be Toronto finally gets over the um the hump or something who knows i just don't know about new jersey because so it's panthers won against the leafs already they're up one nothing devils hurricanes that one freaks me out a little because i think so the hurricanes are just minor favorites but i think like where the rangers didn't play new york like everybody said the Devils are going to win that series if they play in the rush. Like, if the Rangers can't lock down and play their defense, they're going to lose. And then Adam Fox was the worst he has been in a long time for this New York Rangers franchise. And he's been the best thing that's happened to them all year. Collapsed. And there's Tucker back there. I wonder what he yeah. has to say. I mean, we were, talking, we were talking the past two days of, like, you know, after the dust has settled and haven't really got an opinion from Hanold's uh, – at the moment, but I'm torn between between which loss stinks more. And the Bruins have a historic season. You're obviously there for most of it. Didn't get to see a lot of losses. You know, best players on the ice, best performances, most points, probably top goalie winner, all this shit. And you lose in seven at home. Or the Rangers, who... Again, they didn't mortgage the future, but they acquired pieces at the deadline, big splashes in Kane and Terrence Seco, and lose embarrassingly against the Devils, their crosstown rival. I can't tell which is worse. I want to say the Bruins just because your season comes with nothing now. Like, the Rangers weren't supposed to come in and be the cup favorites by a heavy margin. Right, but, but you they actually also make a good point now, like, though, because it, it's like you're making a really good point of all right. Well, the Bruins, I would say they have more to show for this year than the Rangers do, at least. Right? Like, I get it. It's a regular season. 
it doesn't matter. They would rather trade all of that for a cup. But like, if you're the Rangers, you made some really big moves down the stretch. They didn't really climb up the standings the way they thought they were going to. I mean, they had a great year. Or I would maybe not even a great year. They had a good year. But like for what? To be to be the four seed against the Devils? I mean, that's and then you don't win a thing. You get sent home, you get shut out in game 7. I'm I'm a little worried for the long term. Like I think Rangers fans are are very mad at their head coach and I think there's there's some merit to that. There's talk about, oh, he doesn't know how to develop all these young guys. He shits his pants when he has talent. But who the hell do you want in there that's going to be any better than him? And I don't want to hear it that it's like Peter Laviolette from Washington. It's not him. It's so hard to say because it's like when the Islanders can trots after back-to-back Eastern Conference finals and then missing the playoffs, it was kind of like, okay, yes, he's a hard-nosed, gritty, old-school coach, but he's won a cup before. What are you going to like? It it's so much more than just a coach. I feel like it's it's system, it's players gelling together, it's environment. Like hockey is one of those most unstable. Like there's no perfect formula to win. Yeah, there's truly not. But again, though, with the Rangers, and I mean both opponents, right? You have the Devils and the Panthers. The Panthers last year won the President's Cup trophy. They're a solid team. You know, no one was discrediting them. They were at the top of the table this year as well. The Devils, on the other hand, younger team, unproven. They're hard-nosed. They're gritty. But I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid of them. Yeah, they've had a nice season. They they Their rush was really good. Their goalkeeping wasn't great all year. Now this, this rookie, Akira Schmidt's deciding to be God. He had a fantastic game against the Rangers. That was incredible. Yeah. And again, when you have one of the top defenses in New York with, you know, Igor and Adam Fox, you need to be winning those games. You have to. Like that was shades of, I, I get what I'm saying here. It's probably inaccurate, but like that had shades of Martin Brodeur all over it. His performance. That was fucked up because he's this, this kid was an AHL guy. And they said, screw it. Mackenzie Blackwood kind of sucks. Vitek Vanacek, Washington's backup, kind of sucks. You know, what are we going to do? And they pulled this rookie, Akira Schmidt, who made a handful of appearances this year, and he shut out the New York Rangers. That's, the Rangers should be pissed off. They should be real mad because they could, they should have taken care of business, but they could have easily won that series. Should have, would have, and could have. But that's hockey. That's that's talking hockey. (laughs) That is talking hockey. And it's so weird because hockey is usually the sport that, like, you don't see a lot of upsets, and it usually stays true to, like, the game honors typically, you know, the top three, four seeds. So this is already, like, a wild year. I'm I'm in on the Kraken now. Like, I would like the Kraken to win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think Seattle's the fun team to pick if I had to pick a team because I just want this narrative to be over. Give me Edmonton. Yeah, let's just have McJesus win his cup. and he, he, It just, it's, I would feel so bad as a fan of the game and a fan of sports to have a guy like that. Like, you sympathize with Mike Trout. Yeah. You sympathize with Connor McDavid. You sympathize with, um, who is it in the NFL, really? I don't know. I don't really – that's actually a good point. I don't think there's anyone in the NFL that compares there. 
Not, no. But, but still, like, I get no. what you're after with the, hey, give McDavid the cup kind of thing because he's a generational talent. Not but... give it to him, but, like, have his team in the position to win just so the narrative gets pushed. Because, yeah, and I, I get that. I, you know, I get that Cam, Leon Dreistel, Evander Kane, like, they have a squad. They have a squad in a very heavy West that, come on, just just make just get it done now so then you can just chill the rest of your career to just say yeah. you got to come. Yeah, they have the but but here's my thing about that like they Yes, maybe in years past Edmonton has not been great. Like this year they are the best offensive team um by way of the power play, of course. They have the best power play in like NHL history. And it's not even close. So this is a team that like they're I think they're 56% from the power play in the playoffs right now. That's disgusting. Considering they had the regular season record and it was like 34. That's fucked up, man. Like my point in saying that is that the Angels suck. Like they objectively are not good. Edmonton's a good team. I, I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, I guess in basketball, I mean I don't know. I guess you can kind of start making that narrative with like the Celtics and the Sixers. Yeah, true. I mean, from a playoff perspective, I would say it's more the Sixers than anybody right now. Like, I mean, you how, have how much longer does Embiid and Harden have to wait and stuff. That, and then even on the flip side in the West, like, you know, Jokic was almost a three-time MVP. Yeah. Had nothing to show with it thus far. Individual awards don't matter. You know, scoring titles don't matter. It's, can you win a championship? And again, it's a whole different ball game because then you have guys like J.R. Smith with two rings and you know, anybody who rode any of the the Heat or the Warriors dynasties and stuff like that. And we were talking about this earlier today. Udonis Haslam, three rings. Three rings. Face of the franchise. 70 million in career earnings, as we recently yeah. learned. Um Yeah, I don't know. I like uh it would be cool to see Seattle, Florida, but I'm thinking more realistically what is just it's tingling in the back of my head is going to happen is um, is Edmonton, Toronto. We're going to get a Canadian Stanley cup. And that's what I think we're stuck with. So whatever. (laughs) On to beers. Uh, Would you like to go or would you like me to go? Yeah. So was down at the Newport craft beer festival. A lot of our friends over down there and our next door neighbors in Efren and Providence Brewing Company had two beers that really stuck out to me. So it's their Dirty Sunday series. Uh, they're fruited sours that are bright pink and bright blue. Like crazy. Go to their Instagram to check out the, the pictures of this. It's like a Tiffany bright blue and a fruit punch bright pink. And they're twice blended. Cranberry, pineapple, orange, cherry, lime purees, coconut cream, uh, vanilla soft serve and Hawaiian hibiscus sour in their Hawaiian hibiscus sour IPA. And to be honest, I, I enjoy sours. I know you're, you like sours, but not as much as I do just because, you know, I, I definitely have a, a more of a fancy for them. I don't know how I can keep up with these, these breweries elevating the game more and more. It's, it's a, it's an, it's, it's incredible because it's like, this is, it's, it's based with an IPA, but obviously with all this fruit, you know, elevates the sugar, gets it more onto that sour level, especially how they ferment it and brew it. But 
I, I can't keep up. Like this whole new wave of being creative with beer and drinking desserts and drinking this fruit flavor and stuff is, is wild. So four to five out four to five out of five for me for the dirty Sundays. Um, Providence Brewing keeps up the great work with their, you know, different initiative efforts and stuff. And uh, this was a, a pretty cool beer. Did you stumble across anything else there that you haven't seen? Maybe it was a brewery. Maybe it was a, a selection of beer. Um, no, but I would say there was a, there was a couple of places that really stuck out. I wouldn't necessarily say like difference makers, but I definitely want to have more of them. So one that I'm very, very familiar with is uh, Burlington beer company in Vermont. Yes. They have a bunch of different stuff, but there was a purple punch Imperial double IPA that I really enjoyed. Um, and their lighthouse Pilsner poured like an IPA mm. and looked like an IPA too. So those two stood out to me. Um, I will give another shout out. I honestly think so, the the place that had the best overall selection was Buttonwoods. Yeah, they they've been expanding their uh, breadth lately. Yeah, so there was Future um, Inventions, which is a mild dark beer, Object Permanences, which is the IPA, and um, Undeclared Major, which is a pale lager. And I think they had a great overall selection of stuff that I really enjoyed. I like Undeclared Major is such a such a craft beer name such a craft beer name undeclared major um very nice i have been slacking a little bit i did just stop by long live on saturday um they have a new barrel age saison that i really liked so go to long live um and what i'm also looking forward to trying from long live they have a new graham cracker. One of those graham cracker stouts that they always do. They jacked one of them up to 12.5%. So I got a four pack there. Damn. But I can't open it yet because that's like, that's a project, you know? Like yeah, that is, yeah. That, that is, is an hour long endeavor. You need to have like borderline an empty stomach because you're done after that. Yeah. That is a, that is a sit on the couch. I'm done. That's my <laughs> that's like a winter or like a cold, like shitty night. When you don't have any dessert in the freezer. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could have a 12.5% beer and, and pass out on the couch potentially. Hmm. So that's for another day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I did uh, just have Hurricane from Treehouse for the first time in at least three or four years. And so I am going to do that. And that gets a 4.25 for me. Hurricane is. This is not a New England style IPA. It's more of a, it's more of like an imperial kind of deal. Double Simcoe and Citra, um, kind of tastes like that fruity treehouse vibe without any actual fruit. And this is a very casual, good. Like if you are wondering what, oh, I'm new to treehouse. What should I have? Like yes, you should have Julius. Yes, you should have green. You can even go for haze. Why not? But Hurricane is another easy, like traditional style IPA from Treehouse and has some of the best ratings in the world. 47,000 people rated it. It's at a 432. So that is some excellent stuff. And I, it reminded me that um, it reminded me how much shit Treehouse has. Mm -hmm. 
because they are there's always new stuff. <clears throat> I think you just went recently, no? Yeah, went went to the OG Charlton spot, and they're 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 pushing. I like their their setup is interesting now. So when you head in and you head to the right, the big bar has all of their classics, the Julius's, the Greens, all of their hazy IPAs. Heavy line. Now they fig- still figured out, you know, buy your tickets in advance online, and and you know it's a very seamless process. But you go on a Saturday afternoon, it's still packed. Yeah. On the left hand side. The newer bar, or I guess that was their main bar before the other one turned, um, it's all of their other stuff. So, you know, lighter beers, couple stouts. You're not sure. There's obviously still great products, but not sure. I think they had like one or two IPAs. There was the Earth Day IPA there, which was pretty solid, but not your Julius's and Greens and stuff. Now there is a two-minute wait. Um, so it's unfortunate if you're in a time crunch and you know, you're picking up your cases to go and stuff. And like, you want to grab your, your pores and you're not in much time left bars where it's at to the right. You're going to have to wait a little bit, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It, it kind of does suck, but I scan and go, you know, you get your two pints and call it a day. Yeah. I mean, I get why they're doing that, but at the same time, if you have different, um, oh, Tucker, is Tucker getting scolded? Tucker has been a bad, a bad. Oh, he has. It's, it's the it's the it's the chewing and teething all over again. But he has all of his adult teeth. I know his, his teeth are razors now. Yeah, he's, but he bit the door frame earlier. He just, did. Why? He bit why? the door frame. I literally went to the bathroom to go brush my teeth before calling in a night, and I come out and I we we bought him a couple like deer antlers because they like yeah. are very entertaining for him. So I thought that sound was that. And then I walk over and there he is with a bunch of sawdust all over his no. chair. Yeah. Tucker. I had to replace a basket. It's now a milk crate because it's hard to break a milk crate instead of a woven basket with his toys because that was his chew toy for the week. Oh, he had a nice little basket. Oh, he had a great basket. Yeah. Oh, never again. Now he doesn't. Never again. <laughs> Well, again. <laughs> he's a good boy. He's squeaking on something. Some chew toy. <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, so I see where why Treehouse does that, but like at the same time, there it must be a sales thing where they're like, okay, we do like most, we do most of our sales of these these pours, so they're all just going over here, and we're gonna try to showcase everything else at the other. Yeah. Part. Which I they, get. I, mean, I understand have it. their system down pat. It can't complain. They are the anomaly. They're the the cream of the crop. I get it. Bow down to Almighty Treehouse. Uh, I I would love to go to Deerfield sometime. And Deerfield's a good spot. I want to go to the golf course. Yeah, true. Yeah, when, whenever that's ready. Yeah, there's uh and and Tewksbury, Tewksbury, Massachusetts now, yep. right? Interesting. So they're all over Connecticut. Um, it'd be cool if they did something like back ass Rhode Island, but I guess that might as well be Woodstock, Connecticut. It's kind of close. Yeah. I mean, I, if they, if they don't expand into Rhode Island, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised. I'm sure they will at some point. It's like, what the hell do they want to be distribution wise though? Cause I don't, they're not distributing anything. So no, but again, though, it's one of those things where they're not hurting that they can have four locations in Massachusetts. Yeah plus one in Connecticut. Yeah, true. So 
Well, that's beers. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my hurricane. Uh, for for business and balls, we will go to. This is somebody that everyone that listens to the show should remember. You were probably all odds are knowing our listener demographic watching ESPN two on March eighth, twenty twenty two. Because one of the most electric players to ever grace the Northeast Conference absolutely lit it up for the Bryant Bulldogs. And now he's doing some really cool stuff with a venture he's founded with Nate McGrory called Breakout Hoops NYC. Peter Kiss joins the show. Yes, Peter Kiss joins the show for our ball segment Great conversation on uh, his career at Bryant, what getting recruited by Jared Grosso meant to him and still does mean to him this day, and gives us a lot of info between him and Nate on uh, how you can follow along with their grassroots basketball movement in New York. Very cool business lens to it as well. So here's Peter Kiss and Nate McGrory. All right, everybody, with us this week, we're joined by Peter Kiss and Nate McGrory from Breakout Hoops NYC. Uh, two New York natives have joined forces. We're going to hear about their story and all things Breakout Hoops. So, Pete and Nate, welcome to the show, and uh, how's everything going? It's really good. Thanks for having us, Will and Jake. Going great. Excellent. Thanks so much for having us, guys. It's always Absolutely. good to have Bryant royalty in the building, Pete. So it's uh, – you, you ever – have you been back to Bryant since uh, since you since you left last year? I actually went up a couple of weeks ago to um, – it was Coach Gross's younger son's birthday, so I, I made the trip up there and got to see the guys and got to look, got to see what they were doing a little bit and talked to the team, talked to the coaches, and I think they're they're um, they're ready for a big year next year. <laughs> I was when can hoping. we put your when can we put your jersey in the rafters there? That's the question. Yeah, that's what I asked Coach Gross. He said, <laughs> "Calm down a little bit, but you know, hopefully soon." <laughs> hey, it's deserving, and I mean. You've obviously had a, a great career afterwards, but we were hoping for one more year of eligibility. We were hoping to squeeze it out. <laughs> Gross and I talked about that. He was like, I should have brought you back. I was like, I would have came back. So <laughs> we might have to we might have to table that and see if we can reevaluate it. But yeah, let's, it would have uh, changed their fortunes this year for sure. Yeah. Let's campaign on Capitol Hill for that. Like bring his back, start a little campaign. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So before we dive into breakout hoots, let's start with you, uh, Pete. So you started your collegiate career at Quinnipiac and later Rutgers, but you stated that Brian and Coach Grasso were some of the more transformative years of your basketball journey. So how did Brian come into the play when you were transferring a couple of years back? And, you know, tell us how you became one of the nation's great scorers in your final year of uh, college ball. Right. Um First and foremost, you know, I'm so grateful that I got to go on that journey of, you know, learning what being at a mid-major school was and learning what being at a high-major school was and, you know, dealing with all the the difficulties, so to say, at playing at the Big Ten level as an undersized guard and sort of seeing what I wanted from a program as, and a coach. Um, so transferring from Rutgers, I sort of knew what I needed and what I wanted. Um, and Grosso gave me everything I needed and wanted. Um, I actually reached out to him um, to see if he would take me at first. Um, and, you know, it was a no-brainer for him. Um, but then, you know, we developed our relationship over the years. And, um, you know, he's molded, mentored me in more ways than I can even express to you guys. I don't think we have enough time for the podcast. But he does a really good job at um, connecting with his guys as well as his staff 
um, which a lot of coaches don't do well, right? It's really all about winning and college basketball and that. Um, you know, he still reaches out to me daily, weekly to see how I'm doing, how my family's doing. So that's the most important piece I took from him is caring about other people. Um, and th in terms of the Bryant community, I mean, everyone from Bill Smith, John Rupert, Lauren Chapman, President Gattel, they're all great people who, who want you to succeed and, and hold you to a certain level of excellence. And if those people are, you know, sort of running the university are doing that, um, you sort of need to do that on your own. Um, so just a great community, great fan base, um, and just great people involved. In terms of me being, you know, the nation's leading scorer, which I don't really see as that big of an accomplishment, just something that happened along the way of trying to figure out how to win and do something that hasn't been done at Bryant um, was awesome, you know. But to get there took a whole army of people from my teammates to, you know, trusting me with shooting the basketball. Um, Coach Cole spending hours in the gym with me at 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. Justin Kennedy rebounding for me from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Coach Grasso continuously texting me throughout the day and night. I don't think he went to sleep that whole year. You know what I mean? I get a text from him at 5 a.m., 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 8 p.m., 12 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm like, okay, so you got two hours of sleep. I know what I'm going into. <laughs> the next day at practice is just pretty cool. Um, but just a whole army of guys, you know, even Coach Buck, um, he's one of the most dedicated people I've ever been around in my life. He was in the weight room getting his own workout in at 4 a.m. And then I'd be in the weight room at 5.30, you know, getting my first lift in. And then he'd be there till 7. So I'm same thing with Grasso. Like, when do you sleep? You know what I mean? And um, that sort of just helped me develop, um, you know, the business side that we'll get into of what you need to be successful. Sleep isn't a part of it. You know what I mean? You need to be so invested in what you're doing that, you know, you won't take no for an answer. You won't take failure for an answer. And if you do fail, it's just an opportunity to sort of build on it and learn how to succeed along the way. Um, but the nation's leading scorer thing was cool. You know, it just sort of happened along um, being around a lot of great people. And um, it's just something I'll cherish for the rest of my life. But winning trumps all that, you know, winning the NEC championship regular season and the tournament championship was awesome. And that's, that's the thing I really truly care about and doing something that hasn't been done and creating relationships with people. I never thought I'd create relationships with like you guys, you know? Um, so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a long winded answer, but no, it's, it's all perfect. So, I mean, to that point too, you had a lot of guys around you at Bryant that were great and the, and the other stops too, right? Like you mentioned, uh, for the big 10, right. People thought, you know, they looked at a guy like you and said, okay, undersized guard, you know, what's the, what future does this guy have potentially? Right. Uh, you proved a lot of people wrong. So, I mean, to that end, were there any players that you tried to emulate your game to, and then over your college career as well, were there any players that, you know, maybe. maybe you yeah, of course. I mean, growing up, I love Jason kid. That's someone I always tried to emulate my game after not sure I did a great job of it. Um, but you know, he's someone that did a little bit of everything on the floor and someone who I wanted to sort of emulate my game after in terms of rebounding the basketball, passing the basketball, scoring the basketball and defending, which I didn't do a great job of, but you know, the, the rest of the things sort of lined up. Um, but then just players like professional players, like John Petroselli, you know, I got to work out with him going into my year at Bryant and he's a lockdown defender and gets paid um, to play defense. And I never realized how important that part of the game was, how important being in shape was. And that's someone who sort of taught me that along the way. So 
I guess those two players, obviously I played with a great player, Geo Baker, who um, was a great leader in its own his own right and is sort of doing the same thing we're doing now. Um, and someone who just kept me level-headed and, you know, kept me um, – kept me uh, going in the right direction. Um, and then obviously Charles Pride, that's someone who I look to as a best friend, a teammate, um, a brother who, you know, we sort of pushed, pushed each other along the way in terms of, hey, Chuck, like, I know you got two workouts in, but I'm back in the gym, so let's, let's go. You know what I mean? He did the same thing for me. So that's those are three players, I guess, that um, or four players that sort of uh, helped me, you know, work on my own game, um, as well as Coach Cole. I said that before, but that dude just – is great at what he does. He's the godfather of skill development. I think any player transferring from a high major school to a low major school needs to look at Bryant just solely because of him and Coach Grasso because he does a great job. He created me into the player I became. So credit to him. And then after Bryant, you had the opportunity to play professionally in Mexico. So were there any things that stood out for you in that experience with uh, Souls Day Mexicali or just how was that general transition? How was playing in a different country? You know, what were your takeaways from there? I mean, the experience was really rewarding. Um, after putting in 10 years of work and finally being able to call myself a professional was was a dream come true. Um, you know, great organization, the front office, president, coaches were all fantastic people. And I love being a part of Solas de Mexicali. Um, but after a, a groin injury that sort of sidelined me and um, took me out, so to say, um, I realized like, you know, um, life could change like this. And you need to have something ready to go. And I wasn't willing to just sit there and wait for my groin to heal and then give it another shot. I sort of knew I found a new passion over the years in terms of helping the youth and um, developing um, and mentoring the youth in our community. And that's sort of where it went from there. But, you know, great experience and something I wouldn't take back. But I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen the last of uh, my professional basketball career. <laughs> I love it. We're on the edge for the state. The Bryant community is going to go crazy at that. That <laughs> um, We'll go to Nate now. Uh, Nate, basketball journey for you too, right? Grew up playing ball. Um, you played at uh, the high school for math, science, and engineering, HSMSE. Um, it's a mouthful. You got it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed. I was like, they got to call that something, right? <laughs> um, the abbreviation's long. Everything's long about it. Yeah. I love it. So how'd you end up there and how um, – How'd you bring basketball back? Because the story of how this program got to be where it was is a really interesting one. It is. So it was a slight revitalization. Obviously, this is a tough uh, story to follow after after Peter Kiss. I, I appreciate that. But um, so I started growing up in, in, on the west side of the park, Pete, on the east side of Central Park, and ended up at the high school for math, science, and engineering that was known for math, science, and engineering the year going into. The year before I got there, I think they had an O for season. So Besides maybe a scrimmage, it was like an 0-16, tough, tough athletics um, field to, to, to get into. So I immediately made the team and was a point guard for the four years there. And by my, my senior year, we finally were able to turn things around. And no more offers. We kept that win streak going. And then by senior year, we had a positive record. I made the playoffs for the first time. So we kind of got some pub in the, in the school newspaper. And we had people actually wanting to show up to games. So... For for a high school level, it was a it was an exciting environment, and now that school has is now one of the most popular ones in Manhattan. And the kids who are now in our programs, a lot of them go to HSMSE, and that, myself as an alma mater, I'm able to relate to the good old days when we were on uh, we were in high school, we were in trailers, and we didn't even have a, an official building there. I was I was the fifth or sixth graduating class, so 
it was a it's been a long road for HSMSE, but um, it was fun this year. Pete and I attended some some playoff games to to see what has come to the program and their new gear and everything that's kind of stepped up in in the last decade um, in their basketball program and and uh, and on the academic side. And injuries, you know, hurt your career, the playing career side, but that gave you the opportunity to coach and mentor. So besides the injury aspect, or that might be part of the story, when was it the moment that you realized, you know, basketball is by passion and I want to continue on this level of coaching and mentoring? And, you know, why was that the perfect role for you? Yeah, that's interesting, Will. I probably knew, you know, I figured that out later at a later point in my life, but I probably knew my whole life that I was, I was into mentoring and coaching. I always say like before, during, and after my high school and college career, I was always a coach. My dad's been a coach on the Upper West Side here. So since when I was eight or nine years old, my Saturdays are spent in the gym, like helping his program out and coaching and whether it was on the court or off the court, um, I was always a coach in my teens and then into my 16, 17 year old, I was a coach at local programs. So I think I always kind of knew I was, I was going to be mentoring program. And again, I don't have the, uh, athleticism or skill that that another person here in the zoom call has so i knew my my career some of us have that realization in high school when you go to a duke camp and everyone is flying on top of you and you're like all right there's there's different levels of athletes here but i knew i wanted to be involved with the game and and i stayed involved with the game i my injury probably pivoted me so to speak a little bit earlier um than i wanted to but it also opened so many doors and relationships for myself where um, I was hired by my old basketball mentor, Danny Orion, who's now a sports psychologist on the West Coast, but he was a, a director at one of our local Ys, and he wanted me on board to coach travel and classes, and that's where I was able to, to meet Pete and create other basketball relationships that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to if if not for that ACL. I can look back for a lot of reasons and thank that, that injury for, for uh, kind of making a big pivot in my life, so to speak. And then some of the experiences for you that stand out, obviously you guys have seen uh, between you and Pete drastically different parts of the game. And, you know, obviously your, your experience is sort of more grassroots, right? It's a lot of, uh, a lot of mentoring and developing. So what are some experiences that stand out to you from a basketball perspective, Nate? We're talking outside of Pete's NEC championship game, right? We were all at that game. That was, that was quite an experience for all of us. Um, that was, that was, that was unreal as a, as a fan perspective. Um, I think I go back to what I was just speaking of that that time where where I decided I was gonna I was at, at a school in Ohio and I decided to come home and I was taking online classes and work at the Y and I decided this is what I want my life to be I really don't want to follow the business and finance paths I was going on and I met people like Pete that were able to mentor myself on the court when I was teaching classes and having one on ones Pete's able to show me nuances of the game that as a coach I wasn't aware of necessarily so. Um, and around other better coaches and basketball people, I, that experience at the Y and pivoting to where this relationship has, has blossomed to um, really speaks volumes to my basketball life. And I, and I, I can't thank Pete, Danny Orion, my injury, and everything that led me to, to where I am and the relationships I was able to form um, just stands out to me in those late high school to early college years. And you guys touched upon it briefly, but the story of breakout hoops would not be anything without how you two met. So what was that first moment that you guys met and how did that relationship blossom to where we are today? Well, we were kind of on the uh, injured list together, if you will. Um, I was rehabbing my ACL every single day for, I don't know, I'd want to get there. This was my second time I had a knee injury and totally skipped the rehab the first time, which is why I had a second knee injury, as we all know. Do your rehab, folks. Um, and and Pete, Pete broke his wrist at his... Uh, I think it was his third high school. Pete's, Pete's a, a traveling free agent. So 
Pete was back at the Y as an avid basketball player that couldn't play basketball. I was at the Y as an avid basketball player that couldn't play basketball. And that connection of just wanting to be in the gym, Pete was probably 160-ish pounds dripping wet at the time. So I was like, no way he's going to play D1. We spent a lot of time in the weight room and things that we could do to better better both of our bodies and games at the time. So it was just like an, an all-in-love. And then by 2 o'clock that day, I was I had my classes and I had my clients coming in and Pete was still there to help out or if we need to fill in for there. So it was just like all day in, in different facets of the gym that, that we were together. And then that led to um, working summer camps together. Pete and I had worked a summer camp at, I think he was maybe 17 years old and was able to like take a stand and, and, and it was me and him in the gym only really. And he was able to just help run that summer camp for, for kids of the Upper East Side. And it was just, it was amazing to see at that age, at a 17 year old, uh, I could look back and see like, wow, this, this kid is, is running it. So he still had that, like that mentorship and that ability to connect with kids even at, at 17. And for you guys too, like what specific to breakout hoops, right? Like what, what was the point where you said, okay, we can, we can go for this. Like, was there, was there a moment that you said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and full steam start breakout hoops. Yeah. I mean, it started like, as soon as we met, we always joked about sort of starting our own organization. It was completely a joke at that point. Um, but now, you know, fast forwarding seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, um, this past summer, we sort of was on the phone and I was like, why don't we do this thing, you know? And then we sort of did the work in terms of like putting the pen to the paper, making phone calls, finding out what goes into it. Um, and it sort of started from there. But it was it was just a dream at eight years ago, nine years ago. And now it's our reality. Um, so that's pretty cool to see it uh, come to fruition. And for our listeners, what is Breakout Hoops? You know, kind of describe you know, what the program's all about, what you offer, and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, Breakout is really going to be for, for all hoopers. I mean, we obviously have folks like myself that didn't play at the highest level, but that want to offer um, basketball for and a safe place to play basketball and learn basketball for people all days of the week. I know that's what I was craving in this neighborhood growing up. I wanted Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, I only had, I've mentioned my coach, Danny Orion, but it was when he was available and he was a college coach at the time at John Jay. So can I squeeze in a workout here? And I had all these mentors that I looked up to, but never the access, so to speak. So I know Pete's alluded to this and he's uh, sacrificed so much time. I know you guys know he could be playing professional basketball right now and spend so much time sacrificing to put breakout first and put, and these kids who have been involved with us for now a couple months now, and I want more of coach Pete and more of the coaches that Pete's able to bring into the gym and it's so cool to say, when's the next breakout event? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we, we want it all. And I know I can put myself in their shoes um, as a teenager where I wanted more basketball. And I'm looking at this guy's dunking on me in workouts. And, and I want to be able to wear that gear and dunk like him and play like him. So it's it's cool to see those eyes light up in the gym. And, and a lot of what Pete and I talked about, well, like he said, eight or nine years are like, it's really happening now. So that's amazing. But, but at the same time, we want to be able to offer, you know, Coach Pete is in the gym. So we want to be able to offer those high school kids that that are at those those offers that want some kind pete has so many relationships to guys in the new york area i mean he mentioned coach grosso and and, and how that um and his stems in in new york but um we want to be able to have access for those that are new and learning the game and we have seven and eight year olds that are that'll be joining our summer camp soon but we have 17 and 18 year olds too that are going to be looking to play college basketball and want to know pete is this a good spot for me to play pete can you put me in contact with this coach? And so on the court and off the court, Pete is really able to be an asset for, for our, our older players. 
to that end was New York's a special place for both of you, right? I, uh, you grew up there, right? You played your hoop there. I, there was something special about, you know, every time reading Pete's name in the starting lineup, go from New York, New York, right? And was that, was that the no brainer choice to start this or, or did you guys ever look anywhere like geographically besides New York? I mean, we're both born and raised in New York, so it's always nice to come back to where you're from and sort of put up a pillar of your own. Um, but, yeah, we did look into a couple other spots, and we looked to um, grow our organization and, you know, land in a couple other spots that uh, you guys need to stay tuned for. But, um, you know, we're, we're pretty good in, in New York right now. We're sort of growing our, our client, like our market and, you know, finding other gyms we, we could work out of and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it was a no-brainer. There's so many people in that Upper East, Upper West area that don't have a program that we offer or haven't had a program that we currently offer. So, um, yeah. Timing. I mean, we got the Knicks are going to win the championship. St. John's is back on the map. Now Breakout Hoops is going to take over the New York market. I, I got the big picture. I, I see where you guys are going. This is all just a, just a step in the puzzle, right? Of course. So how has it been, how has it been perceived thus far? I mean, you know, starting a, a business and a brand like this from scratch, obviously you guys both have backgrounds and networks and, and you're in route with all of the basketball community, but how has it been growing this business from day one and how has it been perceived thus far? So, Go ahead, Pete. So from the first week, we sort of started with, I would say around 20 kids the first week, 25 maybe. And it's sort of 3X since then. So we have about 70, 80 kids, um, which is pretty nice for a new program. And, you know, the word is getting out there about us. Um, but, I mean, it's just going great. All the parents love it. Um, we're getting good feedback from high school coaches that are sending their kids to our program. We're getting great feedback from, you know, my past coaches in New York City and as well as new connections we're making. So everybody loves it. It's just a matter of time before uh, – St. John's, the Knicks, and breakouts sort of take over in New York, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, and then how has the recruitment process been? I mean, you haven't even hit the summer months yet where, you know, people are going to have more of the flexibility. So how have you recruited different players? Has it just been a lot of word of mouth and social media marketing? Or, you know, how are you getting people to join and learn more about breakout? We're learning a lot of the, of the marketing side of things, if you will. Pete did reach out to a lot of um, public and private high school coaches um, just as, hey, I'm starting, we started Breakout, I'll be in the gyms, I'm willing to come to your gym and show and give a clinic and show you what Breakout is about. So Pete's been able to show high school coaches kind of what he's about and what our clinics are about and how he can really teach and, and relate to the kids. Um, so that's got a lot of people in. And then a lot of it is just word of mouth, as you know, in this business, there's so many families that Hey, what'd you do this weekend? What'd you, Hey, I worked out with the nation's leading scorer was in a gym with my son. Look, look at the, you know, so, so much, as you said, it spreads on social media, but it also spreads in that area with, with parents that want more great activities for their kids and the kids that are into basketball that might be looking for that travel team. Or, you know, a lot of kids are playing AAU. And like you said, summer camp might have some more flexibility. A lot of it is spreading via word of mouth. We didn't do too much extra marketing. Like Pete said, our numbers just by week for week. I'm like, well, where are all these kids coming from? So it's a good feeling. I want to get your guys' perspective on this because you're from New York, right? This is a place that clearly means a lot, as we mentioned. I mean, there's there's a lot going on from a basketball perspective there now. You see the Big 12 partnered up with uh, Rucker Park. They're going to do some events there. You see a lot going on in the 
you know, for lack of better terms, sort of on the streets of New York, right? Like on the courts of, of these pockets of New York. So in your eyes, how have you seen the game grow maybe these past three, four years? And what's different about it now than in New York than how it was maybe when you guys were coming up in the same area? Well, for me, it was just, for me, it's changed from everyone had ball hand, everyone could handle the ball and everyone had cool layup packages to now everyone wants to shoot the three. So it's, it's, it's become of, I need to walk in and where's the three-point line? It's going to be their first shot and last shot in the gym. And I know the the pride of New York was always point guards and the Kenny Andersons and the Stefan Marbury's and all of those New York point guards um, just kind of turned into three-point shooters. I mean, and a lot of them, like Pete alluded to, like and I, as Pete did as a hooper in New York, kind of left New York so that the pride of that New York point guard and be able to be quicker and faster and I could get to the rim at all points because – I play in 30 degree weather when it's windy and I need to get to the rim and finish is seems to be somewhat lost in, in lots of games that I've seen to be coaching and refing. It's all about that, that beautiful Steph Curry three point line. And then from a business standpoint, what's been the most rewarding thing that you guys have accomplished in your short time and what's been your biggest challenge? For me, the most rewarding thing is working with the people I care about and the people I love being around. So I, I get to be in the gym with Pete. Pete's uh, brother-in-law, Austin, has been the brains behind these two basketball guys that don't know anything outside of a gym. So he's able to deal with a lot of our software and website and, and interaction with parents. That's, and Pete's doing a lot of that, too. And we're trying our best. But there's there's such a strong team behind what we're doing. And we can call each other and talk to each other at any time of day, so to speak. So it's been amazing to, like, as you guys know, when you're able to work with someone who you're friends with and you care about it's it's such a great it's such a great feeling and 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 the challenges do come and a lot of it like i said has been a lot of off the court pete does a good job of pretty much inside the gym we know how it's going to go but but a lot of the off the court stuff we're we're learning and it's 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 a challenge but we're we're taking the hiccups as they come and we're kind of like learning on the fly so to speak we're on we're onto our second registration software not not everything's been smooth and perfect ideal but um we're learning as we go and we think that that makes us the more knowledge we have, the, the better that has going forward in our, in our off-the-court stuff. So this summer is obviously going to be huge. You get outside. You can do a bunch of stuff. Um, what, what do you guys want the summer to look like and maybe even the rest of this year? Like what in your eyes would be at the end point? Yes, we, were, we had a really successful summer. We're going into this full steam. Like what, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, I think this summer is pretty clear. We, we're about to launch our summer camp. It's going to be an eight-week program, um, you know, sort of give these kids uh, a bunch of different things in terms of bringing professionals into the gym, bringing coaches into the gym, um, bringing different personalities into the gym that maybe, like, could could help a kid get to that next step or get to that next level or, or just inspire a kid to become a basketball player or become a coach or – become whatever the person we're bringing into the gym that week would be. Um, but just, you know, growing our program slowly but surely um, throughout the summer, um, you know, creating a, a larger network through the summer with, with our summer camp. I'm going to be doing a little training after summer camp that we have. Hopefully we're going to get a gym space for three hours. So I'll be able to bring in like some professionals and some college athletes to do a little little more high level training since I'm working with like seven to 10 year olds now that some of them can't even dribble a basketball, but we're getting there. Seen a lot of improvement in these five weeks. So that's, it's nice. Um, but building off that, we, we want to have, you know, travel teams, um, you know, 
we're creating this non-for-profit, this 501c3 that's going to encompass educational assistance, special needs, typical basketball, dance. So we're sort of building into that. Um, just a lot of cool things we're, we're looking to add to breakout as well as on and off the court, which is the name of our um, 501c3. So just just a ton we, we're working on now. <laughs> and in the bigger picture, obviously, every year is different and you know you got to adapt with the times but what would you love to accomplish in the next five years that you're like breakout hoops has done x y and z we want to expand our program to two other locations so that's in my five-year plan um you know i'm not going to give you where but two different locations as well as new york city we want to be the premier premier travel team in New York, whether that means, uh, you know, on the Nike circuit, Adidas, Under Armour. Um, but we're dreaming big here at Breakout, it's sort of what I've done my whole life, and I'm used to it. I know the work that goes into it. I know the perseverance you need, and I know you need, a, like Nate alluded to, a, a team behind you. And I think I have a great team of, of people behind me that has have done a great job so far, because as Nate said, I'm, I'm sort of great in the on the court, but when I get off that court, it's, you know, I'm sort of figuring out my way. I'm only 25 years old, and I'm I'm learning as I go. But these guys, Nate, Austin, Julie, um, Ken McGorry, do a great job of sort of being uh, that support system for any one of us that need help. And I guess we already touched on this a little, Nate. You gave a real great answer, Pete. I want to get your perspective on this too. I mean, the game, the game of basketball. I mean, you, you you played in three programs. You saw a bunch of different ways the game's played. Um, how different is college basketball now? Is it the same sort of thing where, you know, it's – is your perspective the only way to win games is just, you know, hit a lot of threes and go from there? Or, or what – you know, how has it changed even only being out a couple of years from school? Right. I think the biggest piece is NIL, right? You're now handing these 19 to 22-year-olds – half a million dollars and you expect them to play with the same passion, energy, and intensity you did before you gave them $500,000. That's a little crazy in my head, but I think there's ways to fix that. I think, you know, the whole idea of bonuses, like you win player of the year, you lead the major category in, in points, steals, whatever it is, there's a little bonus there. You win the conference, there's a bonus there. You win, you go to the tournament, there's a bonus there. You win each round, there's a bonus there. Lead NCAA in scoring, a little bonus, maybe. Uh, I wish I got that bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was no Bryant Collective while you were there. Yeah. Right. I'm looking to sort of help that side of things out too. Um, but, yeah, just, just sort of like not giving an 18- or 19-year-old half a million dollars and expecting to play with the same intensity as – five years ago i think like the game has changed obviously shooting the ball ball manipulation i think guys are more athletic faster stronger um i think the game is a little quicker than it was in terms of you know brian's playing at a very high possession high possession games and back in the day i don't know if that was very um common um but you know i think the money the nil piece really changed the game completely um, I think they need to do something with that in terms of, you know, like I said, bonuses. They really need to do that because guys are just, you know, getting a $500,000 check and not caring if they had the worst season in Miami basketball or Bryant basketball, you know what I mean? I feel that. And then I guess, like, from your perspective, too, because you're getting players at such a young age now, and we talked about how everyone wants just to be like Steph Curry, right? Just hit the long three, be wet, you know, and I respect it. I mean, it's one of those things, but – um, 
the younger generation of basketball players? Have you seen, you know, do you see pieces that remind you of your guys' childhood or is it a whole new category of players that you have to now mold, evolve, and then prepare for the next level? Yeah, I think it's completely different. I mean, when I was growing up, I would, you know, go to the park if I wanted to play basketball. These kids have to have a scheduled session with Coach Pete or Coach Nate to play basketball. I think the mindset and the work ethic of these kids are a little different. Um, but it's something we, we've seen a huge difference in with the kids we work with. You know, these kids come in the gym and um, there's a, child, a kid who um, I think he's 10 or 11. He might have just turned 11. Um, but he didn't speak the first day in the gym. We go around and sort of tell everybody to introduce themselves and give us like a fun fact about you. And this this kid was just didn't say anything. By week five, he's breaking down our huddles, telling us he's in the gap, pointing. You know, it's it's nice to see a change in those kids. And uh, I know with uh, my experiences and how I connect with these children, as well as Nate working with children for the past 15 years, I think we make a great team in impacting these children's lives and lives and We'll be able to sort of mold them and mentor them into basketball players for sure. Love it. So before we close out this interview, and we get a few more questions after that, we'll talk NBA. We'll talk. We're a basketball conversation. We mm -hmm. talked about the college level um, NBA. We got some Knicks guys on the channel right now, but you know we we're gonna drop our finals prediction. We're gonna say Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and then we'll we'll drop our finals. What do we think in Eastern Conference? Sixers. It's the only conference that matters. It's the Knicks versus the world, right? Knicks versus the world. Couple, couple more injuries, couple more sprained ankles, and the Knicks are going to roll their way right there. If not, if not now, never. If not now, never. No, it's got to be. So they did the same thing in, what, 2000? They kind of made a run to the finals that no one, no one remembers. And it takes, it takes years like this where the MVP might be down and – if Embiid's out for a while, that that'll change everything. But no, I'm I'm very. Uh, this is a hopeful answer, <laughs> if we're being honest. It's a very hopeful answer from a New Yorker. So we're just brushing past the seas. Oh, of course. I oh, think I forgot. We're in we're in the Boston podcast. No, it's <laughs> all right. Yeah, the seas have some depth. Yeah, they they're well experienced, good defensive team. Now it's a, it's a Knicks. That's Knicks all the way. <laughs> wow. Oh man. I mean, I love this. I love this four group of uh, Eastern Conference teams right now because like that's like old school. Eastern basketball. You got Miami, you got Boston, you got Philly, you got New York. It's like, I, I don't, I don't really care about Atlanta or any of the other teams, right? You know, this is this nobody is, else does. Yeah. Brooklyn, no one cares about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm sorry, like they just don't. Um, but let's flip it to the Western Conference side. Any teams that stand out to you that have a clear cut? A lot of people think it's interesting to see if the Suns can put it together, right? It's it's a condensed timeline, and and they obviously have the most skill, and it's now they've got to put together figuring out their team while down 2-0 in a playoff series. So that's obviously the team with the most skill, and I think at the trade deadline, a lot of people thought we're going to be Finals favorites, but the Nuggets are a well-oiled machine that have been doing this for years, and a lot of people don't remember Jamal Murray was hurt the last time they they lost, and now he's coming out, he's healthy, and he is playing. He's playing very well, so it's a it's a different Nuggets team now that they're healthy, and again, they've been doing this for years together. Um, their role players, are, everyone is, is stepping up, and the Suns, who traded away a lot of their role players, are just kind of just, it, it get, I get that feel of the Brooklyn Nets all over again, like, can these can these stars and, and Torrey Craig get it done? For you guys, is the opportunity to watch LeBron Steph in the playoffs for what, you know, they, they say it could be the final time, whatever. You, you just never know how it's going to work, right? But 
is that like oh we're getting this again whatever or is this something that you two guys as as lifelong fans of the game are, are rushing to go watch i don't think i'm rushing to go watch it but i think it's gonna be a great series i think the warriors aren't a great basketball team right now i think they have a couple of great players that sort of carry them. That's what great players do, right? You have a great player, you sort of lean on him, tell him, go get me 50 and win us game seven. That's sort of what happened, right? Um, but obviously LeBron's LeBron. This is probably one of his last couple years in the league, I would say. Once his son gets in the league, I see him sort of making his way out. Um, but I don't see LeBron losing. My West prediction is the Lakers. Um, you know, I think they have a lot of pieces that sort of help them out. Um, even Shaq Harrison, I got to work out with him in, in Chicago and he's a lockdown defender. I know just playing against a guy like that in practice helps you guys way more than, you know, Tory Craig. Um, and so I think the Lakers sort of make it past the Warriors, get to the finals and beat the Sixers. It's not a disrespect Tory Craig podcast. We, we, yeah. He's a great player. <laughs> uh, we don't mean to. <laughs> Tory Craig's catching a lot of ricochet shots. Uh, today. I got a tag a minute. <laughs> so Lakers, Craig, what's the man have to do? Ah, he's he scored three points in the last three games. So yeah, someone, someone, yeah, we might both have an over under. He might owe us something. I don't know. Right, we're we're taking the under the next time. That's yeah, right. So as we close out, um, both of you as former athletes, biggest piece of advice you would give to another former athlete trying to start their own business or brand? What advice would you give them? I would give them a really brief piece of advice. I would say self-belief is the most important part of being successful. You're going to have failures and challenges along the way, but if you continue to believe in yourselves and what you're passionate about, there's no way you fail. You're eventually going to succeed, and, and that's all people need to hear. Just believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, believe in the people around you, listen to the people around you, and you'll make it to where you want to go. Yeah, I completely agree with Pete. I think self-belief is huge. Um, I think we all saw what, what self-belief does, even for like a basketball team, when Pete was able um, to kind of will that Brian team last year, was able to kind of lift the, the play of, of other players around him and his teammates. And he's able to done that, do that as well and breakout in terms of like, this is what we're doing, not not we hope to do this. This is what breakout will become. This is the steps we have to do it in. So that self-belief is huge. And then, and then alluding to what we both said earlier, like having that team behind you that you can communicate with well, um, on a daily basis and, and make sure you're all like moving in the right direction and uh, is, is, is huge. That self-belief and then, and then the, the team behind you is, I think, uh, key. But a lot of stuff you just got to learn as you go. And finally, what's something you know now that you wish you knew before you started this venture? <laughs> um, I would say how much time it really takes to get a business off the ground. Um, and what steps are needed to get a business like our, our own off the ground. I think it sort of sounds easy, right? You could just go out there, get in a gym, throw basketballs out, get people to sign up. But there's so much more, like Nate said. There's a team behind all that that sort of help you out with the, the website integration, the registration, the software development, you know, the communication with these families. Um, yeah, that, a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would agree with Pete. It's just there's there's so much that goes into it, and we probably both didn't imagine from just being guys that are used used to show up at this time either with your whistle or with your sneakers, and 
it's it's the other we're on the other side of the pond now where it's you have to do everything beforehand and guess what you also now have to you're the one coaching with get your sneakers ready and you're in the gym as well so um it's a lot of work but it's if you when it's something you love like like you know it really doesn't feel that way not easy but you guys are killing it and uh we're happy to share the news about Breakout Hoops, and we're excited to follow along. So we appreciate the time. And where can our listeners find out more about what you guys are working on, and where can they find you online? Well, our website um, is breakouthoopsnyc.com. That's all one word. You'll see information about all of our spring info, our summer clinics, and like Pete said, our soon-to-be travel teams there. We also have um, our Instagram as well. You can see us on that. That'll be growing in content as we're we get we're getting more and more in the gyms, and we've got our photographers in the gyms. So um, that's where you can find us on social media and, and our website right now. But you probably all know uh, Mr. Verified Pistol Pete Kiss on Twitter. He'll be, I mean, on on Instagram, he'll be posting a lot about breakout, and and um, that's another good follow as well. If, if anyone doesn't follow that, love it. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Peter Kiss, Nate McGrory, check out Breakout Hoops NYC. Thanks a bunch, boys. Looking forward to following you guys and all your success. Thanks, Thanks Jake. Thank you, Will. And that was just Peter Kiss and Nate McGrory. Breakout hoops. Obviously, Peter Kiss known from our Bryant days, but we appreciate them hopping on the show, and we appreciate following along the breakout hoops. I mean, expect some content in us. We have some things in the works, hopefully for this summer. Uh, we're excited to see where this venture heads off to, and they're going to do some incredible things. So, we appreciate the time and make sure you go check them out on social media. And if you, if you need to step up your game, those are the guys that'll help you. So I might, I might enroll in some lessons as well to get my three point shot back, but <laughs> that interview, yeah, that, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Peter Kiss can teach me, I, I might use my extra year of eligibility. Get back. Oh, on the I think <laughs> uh, you were the, always the player and I can't, I sucked. Like I was never a basketball player. You were the you were always good for like three, four points and three or four like real hard fouls. And at least 12 rebounds. <laughs> at least I I would average a double double in assists and rebounds because my shot had no confidence. But you get clarify, this is Greek week basketball. This you get like me behind the line un, uncontested, I can give you at minimum one three. Okay. And you shoot Stop. 33%. That's a gold Maybe. standard. Maybe. On spot. Two for six, I could probably pull out. <laughs> probably pull out. But... Well, if you are a person that likes to uh, predict some certain things, we have the deal for you because you can bet something similar to that, not on Will's three-point game, but with NBA or college or futures on DraftKings using the code BBB. Uh, of course, our balls segment presented by DraftKings. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about DraftKings, Will? Our friends at DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, is ready to help you chase for the NBA title, not only on the court with our players, but of course with your bets as well. So get in on the action with new customers who make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Um, plus, everyone can score on the no sweat same game parlay that happens on every playoff game. So you download the sports back, the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB. You will get $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets. That's code BBB only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Play it start. 
Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Visit GameSenseMA.com. 21 plus, physically present in Massachusetts. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Opt-in required. One bonus bet issued based on the amount of initial losing NBA bet. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. And of course, with code BBB. Excellent. That was some of your best work. Thank you. And hopefully my best work is Peter Kiss's future of Lakers in six over the 76ers. Um, we talked about a little bit basketball beforehand. I, after this first game, you know, the Lakers, you had three players in the Warriors score six threes in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the third splash brother, Jordan Poole. Shout out to him. But <laughs> the Lakers right now, I mean, I think LeBron has finally figured out that he can be the Robin on this team when Anthony Davis is healthy. And Anthony Davis is playing phenomenal basketball right now. Um, you know, you take down the Memphis Grizzlies. They were obviously a very hot team, despite all of their on and off the court issues throughout the entire season. Dylan Brooks is about to go learn Chinese. <laughs> Tom Morant's going to go back to rehab. I don't know, but the Lakers right now are a hot team. And if they can propel past the Warriors, who I think are, you know, criminally underrated right now. They took down the Kings in seven, which again, Kings had a fantastic year back in the playoffs, ended their drought. The Warriors have the experience. They have the pedigree. They won the championship last year. Um, if the Lakers can move past them, I honestly think that they'll win this championship. I'm hoping that the Knicks have their pathway. Um, you know, we talked about it on a different episode with our friend John Fanta, but Miami. Yeah, that's what I was good. just going to say. Like, I, I'm going to I'm gonna save my predictions for a special episode next week, which yeah. I was going to save the guests, but that's okay. It's out in the open. Fine. <laughs> Johnny Fanta, Hall of Fame guest. He's now tied for most appearances all time. And he said, he did say at the end of that interview, just a quick spoiler. He said, I don't know how the tiebreaker works, but if it's a drink off, I will win. Club for Jimmy. Yeah. Clubfoot Jim versus John Fanta would be an incredible. And Sam Basil? And Sam Basil. I, I take Fanta. I take yeah, them I all over that. That's not even a question. Sorry. Sorry, Basil. And yeah. Yeah, there's well, no – There's. A, I will never forget the – we'll have to find the number of that episode, but this man put down like seven something easy IPAs from Sam Adams. He's he's the king. Or wicked easy. Yep. I don't get it. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna save my NBA stuff, but I think uh, I think the Lakers might do it. I do. I think whoever's coming out of the West can. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't have know. no fucking clue. I don't know because Boston can do it too, or Miami. Boston's not looking too hot right now, which is I know. I think they're gonna figure game. it out. Though. We got to get Joe Missoula on the pod. <laughs> Rhode Island's legend Joe Mazzula. Hey, you busy, you busy Wednesday night, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> you know how to call timeout, Joe? Yeah, right. He certainly doesn't fucking look like it. No. Yeah, he'll be fine. I I don't know. I don't think they can like regret that Ime Udoka situation until like at least for a few more years. They did the right thing. No, they did the right thing, and Mazzula is a great coach. He led a he team. Is, to, yes. You know, win or lose this year, you know it's basketball. <laughs> Basketball is tough, and basketball is not a an easy playoff format either. So yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be all right. I think they're gonna at least four seven. So. Yeah. All right, that's our show. Uh, Peter Kiss and Nate McGrory. Hope you enjoyed our episode with Breakout Hoops and more to come. 
gonna drop our three-year anniversary next week with our two OG Hall of Fame guests. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Remember to hit the follow button on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram and check out house-enterprise.com for all of our content. There's also no better way to end this podcast than a note from our partners over at Manscaped. What guy or girl wouldn't want the right tools for the job? Head over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your orders. See you next time and remember, the house always wins.